Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to Genesee Valley Church's online podcast. GVC is a non-denominational church in Flint, Michigan, and our mission is simple. To love God, love people, and love life. I know that you will be blessed by the message and the words that God has for you today. Now, here's Pastor Tony. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, and we'll begin in verse 7. We've been talking about spiritual growth, and we're just kind of navigating through some things here. Uh, you know, one of the things we talked about is we wanted our Wednesday nights to kind of start gearing towards some times of prayer. And learning how to grow up spiritually is something that is very significant in helping you become a prayer or learning how to really be used by God in a, in a greater way. And so how many of you have ever noticed that it seems as though the church isn't what it used to be? Anybody know what I mean by that? How many of you were raised in church? Okay. Uh, do you remember... Back in the days when church was just a major part of life, you know, you had Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and again, it just seemed like a life revolved around your activity with church. You had your friends that went to church, uh, you had your relationships that went to church, you hung out after church, all those kind of things, and it just seems like the church has not been that central focal point of life for many people just as the years have gone on. And, and for that matter, just uh, church attendance and things of that nature have diminished throughout the years. And again, that's, those numbers are nationwide, worldwide. It just seems as though the church has begun to lose its steam, if you will. And there's some reasons for that. And it ought not be this way. But as we begin to know what the problem has been, we can turn that around and use it for our advantage and let it become a solution for us, right? And so, in Ephesians chapter, Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 7, we touched on this for the last couple of weeks, but it says, But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now this he ascended... Well, what does it mean that he also ascended first? He descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all, fill all things. Then verse 11, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors, and some teachers for the equipping, one translation, or the, the King James says, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So notice it says that the body of Christ, the body of Christ or the church has been given ministry gifts of, of how the Bible explains it. Apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, and pastors. He says he's given them for the uh, equipping, the perfecting, or the maturing of the church to begin to do their purpose, their calling, the work of ministry, and that this edifies and it builds up the body of Christ. Verse 13 says, Till we all come into the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man. Now that word perfect doesn't mean that you don't make mistakes. Perfect means to the complete man, to, to be grown up, to mature, to the measure and the stature of the fullness of Christ. So in other words, he says, the example that is set before you, 
the, the, the gold standard, the, 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 the goal that you're looking to achieve is to be like Jesus. So to be to the completest of all complete is to be like Jesus. That's our aim. That's our goal is to strive to be like Jesus. In verse 14, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by trickery of men in the cunning craftiness and deceitful plotting. But speak, but speaking truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. So notice what it says. He wants us to mature Or in other words, he wants us to begin to grow up. He says what growing up looks like is to become a complete man, a perfect man, or to strive to be like Jesus. He says he also doesn't want us to be children. So in other words, growing up means don't be a baby. Don't just be a child. But continue to grow until you really come into a place of spiritual adulthood. Right? And so he's not saying that being in church for the last 30 years qualifies you to be spiritually mature or a spiritual adult. He says there's something to that. And we're going to continue to look at that to see what defines growing up, being complete, or spiritually mature. He says, verse 15, but speaking the truth in love, that we may grow up in all things in him who is the head of Christ. From whom the whole body is joint and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. So once again, notice here it says that as we as individuals, as we begin to grow and to mature, every single person has a supply. Right? And everybody has a supply to give. You have a supply, I have a supply. And when we all work together, it causes the church to grow. So that tells us right there, first and foremost, that obviously we, the body of Christ, have must have not been working together like Jesus intended for us to work together. Because if we were truly working together and everybody giving of their supply like we have to give, and that according to that supply, it's again the things that God's put in you. Your purpose, your call, not just necessarily money. He's talking about what he's, what he's designed you, your purpose. If we would all do that, it would cause the body to grow. Amen. You doing okay? All right. Where do we leave off? Verse 16. All right. Verse 17. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their minds. All right. Now he's beginning to make a distinction here. He said, now here's part of the problem. He says, now you have come into the body of Christ. I've given you ministers to help you grow, to be perfected or to mature so that you can do ministry together that builds edification of the church but then he makes this statement here once again in verse 17 he says this i say therefore and testify in the lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the gentiles do in the futility of their mind now the bible when it speaks of the gentiles it's speaking about about those that are apart from christ those that aren't walking with god those that are what we would call in the world does that make sense he says You have no longer been like them or you've come out from being of them. And it says again, it says, don't walk like them like the rest of the Gentiles do in the futility of their mind. Having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of their ignorance. 
that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Now, who's he speaking to? He's speaking to the church, right? So he's speaking to believers. He's speaking to Christians. But he says, now, don't be like these people. Verse 19, he says, who being past feelings have given themselves over to lewdness, to works, uh, to work all uncleanness and greediness. But you have not so learned this, or what we could really say, what one translation says, this isn't the way of life that you've learned. So in other words, he's saying this, that before you were a Christian, this is what a non-Christian used to look like. This is the way that they lived. But now you've become a Christian, and this is the way of life, or this, what we're talking about, is not how you've learned to live. So in other words, you've been taught something different. Verse 21, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust. All right, so here is a big distinction. He says, now, you've been, you've become a Christian. God wants you to mature. He wants you to grow up. He doesn't want you to be a spiritual baby anymore. He wants you to grow up and be mature in the things of God. He said, but this old lifestyle is a choice. You can still live the way that you did in the way that you were before a Christian. Or you can come over into the new way of living as a child of God. But notice what he says. Verse 22, that you put off concerning your old former conduct, which is the old man. So we could say it this way, concerning surrendering to God, it's a choice. Concerning how I choose to live, whether I choose to live like I used to before I met Christ or how I live now, it's a choice. I have to choose to put that off. Are you following with me? Verse 23 says, and by the renewing of your spirit, or by renewing, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. So, remember we said that the reason that they acted like the Gentiles or like worldly people is because they were ignorant. They didn't know better. This right here says that the way that you do that is by the renewing of your mind. How do you grow spiritually? It's the word of God. If you never have your mind renewed according to the word of God, if you never make this a part of your life, then what you'll end up doing is this continue to live the way that you always did because you don't know how to live differently. There is no alternative, right? He says, but having their mind renewed. And then verse 24, and that you put on, put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. So once again, to surrender to God's will, to God's way, it is a choice by what you choose to do. Does that make sense? I can continue to choose to live the way that I always did, or I can choose to live like a child of God, and there's some things that look according to that. Now, I won't for the sake of time here read all this, but from 25 down to the the, the end of the chapter in 32, he begins to talk about some things that this is the way that the Gentile, those that have not had their mind renewed, those that just live the old way, this is some things that they do. But in verse 1 of chapter 5, he says, Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. So now he goes on to tell us, he says, Listen, I want you to, 
to know what the example should look like. Be imitators of God. Be like Him. Remember he says to be followers of Christ. To be, perf- to be perfect or to mature is to strive to be like Jesus, right? So there's a different way of thinking. And then this way of thinking to be imitators of God is we see in verse 2. He says, and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us. So one of the greatest ways, one of the greatest ways that we become imitators of God is to become people of love, right? Purposing to love those around us. In fact, I was just talking with Jimmy just before service. The greatest command, he says, to love God first and then to love people. Well, if I'm loving God, if I'm purposing to love God, if this is the greatest command, and he says, in doing this, you fulfill all the others, I'm not going to be disappointing God, or I'm not going to be doing something that is displeasing God if I'm purposing to walk in love toward God, right? Because I don't want to disappoint him. I want to do what's pleasing to his heart. I want to make him proud of me, right? I mean, I, I think back when I was a kid, there was different things that I would do, and one of the, uh, the things that I did was karate. And, you know, as a, as a boy, you always look up to your dad as being just the tough guy, right? You know, you always have that, that conversation with your buddies, you know. It's like, well, my dad can beat up your dad. <laughs> right? You know what I mean? And so, again, you just look at your dad as, that, man, he's the toughest dude ever, man. You know, and then your dad tells you the stories, and he tries to embellish them a little bit. And you think, whoa, man, dad is one bad dude, man. You, you know what I mean? <laughs> And so, as a result of this, dad was the standard that you tried to measure yourself to, right? And so, because I was in martial arts and because I fought, you know, I wanted to get the trophy. But, you know, there was always that trying to, hey, dad, did you see? Hey, dad, did you see I'm tough? Hey, dad, did you see I whooped him? Hey, dad, you see the trophy I got? Why? Because you're always trying to please dad. You're wanting to get his approval, right? And so, as... God's kids, that's really our heart, is that, God, I want your approval. I don't want to disappoint you. I want to make you proud of me. And so as we purpose to pursue him, and as we purpose to walk in love towards him and towards people, you're just going to find that there's things that stir in your heart that begin to get your attention that are displeasing to God. Does that make sense? I mean, there there are times that you don't even have to find something written in the Bible. But if you find that there's that little twinge on the inside, it's like, hmm, what was that? Oh, God, that just, that didn't feel right. I don't feel like God liked that too much. Just something didn't feel settled. You tracking with me? You know what I'm talking about? I've done that before with, with my kids, with my wife. You act out a certain way and you kind of get that conviction on the inside like oh man i just messed that up big time should have handled that differently why because god's trying to help you and as a father as a husband that's that's his daughter my wife is his daughter and so obviously he wants me to take care of her the best that i can right and i i gotta straighten my act up man because that's that's his daughter right and so our heart is to, to be pleasing towards God. Now, if we go down just a couple of verses, once again, as he's telling us to walk in love, he goes on to tell us a few different items. And for the sake of not putting them all in a, in a nutshell, you can read them for yourselves. And for that matter, in Ephesians, it really talks about the conduct of what it is to grow and mature as a believer. But one of the things that he does say is he says that if you continue to walk in these type of things... 
of walking, living like you did in the world, even though you're a Christian? Now, keep in mind, he's speaking to believers here. So, therefore, they must be struggling in some of these areas of living like they did in the past. And God's saying, I want you to grow up. I've got stuff for you to do. I need you to help me build my church. But there's some things that you're doing. So I believe that he's trying to get their attention. And he says this. He says, if you continue in this lifestyle or doing what you do, he says, you won't inherit the kingdom of God. Now, I believe there's a part of that where we can live such a life that takes us in the ditch where eventually you don't inherit the kingdom of God. But the Bible says that we can walk in the kingdom of God blessing on this earth because we're born of that kingdom. We're Christians now. It's the promises of God. But if we continue to live a worldly lifestyle, we disqualify ourselves for kingdom living here on the earth. Does that make sense? Why? Because of not living in accordance to the word of God. All right, in verse 7, skip down to chapter 5, verse 7. So we're talking about the body of Christ doing what it's been called to do, moving things down the road, seeing the progress that God would desire, maturing as a believer. Verse 7, he says, Therefore, do not be partakers with them, for you you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. How many of you know that when you're in the light, you can see? Anybody ever stubbed your toe in in the darkness? I think we all have. (laughs) Right? It's dark and you you knew that it was there, but you just misjudged it and you caught the end of your bedpost. Oh, man. Why? Because it was dark. But if it's, if it's light, you can see what is an obstacle. And so if you're purposing to walk with God, purposing to pursue God, by nature, you're going to be walking in the light. And therefore, you will begin to know what is acceptable to the Lord. And in those moments... The Holy Spirit will begin to convict your heart. Oh man, that just don't feel right. I don't feel like doing that anymore. Or for whatever reason, that just don't feel like God is pleased with that. And then therefore you begin to make adjustments in life. Amen? You tracking? All right, verse 11. And having no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather exposing them, For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light, for that whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore I say to you, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. So what's he saying here? He's saying, church, listen, I need you. I need you to grow and to mature. Don't be babies. Quit living like you did in the world. Come over here into the kingdom and live according to the kingdom's sake. Because I need to grow this church. I need to reach people. And the only way that I can do that is through you. And he says, but you're sleeping. You're sleeping on the job. Awake. 
And that's where the church has been for so long. It's been asleep. We've just been existing. Having a form of godliness but denying the power. God's wanting to wake the church up to where we stop living for self. Stop living like the old man. And he wants us to put on the new man so that he can begin to use us. Amen. He's wanting us to be in a position where we're fit for the master's use. I want to be able to use you. I want to be able to use your life. I want to be able to use your testimony. I want to be able to use the words in which you say. Because what you've experienced in life can begin to help people grow and mature. And begin to have a heart to know God. Amen. And so God says, listen. For you to mature, for you to grow. You've got to change some of your scenery. Change some of the things that you're accustomed to doing. Change some of the friendships that you have. Does that make sense? Man, sometimes that's hard. Sometimes it's easy. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so what's it all for? It's for your perfecting or for your maturing or for your growing. How many of you know there are just some bad people that you don't need to hang around anymore? I remember when we first launched GVC, there was a guy that came along and uh, he played the keyboard for us. An outstanding keyboard player. He came from a church background and he just recently or just at that point rededicated his life to the Lord. But he had lived a pretty rough life. He had experienced some pretty rough things. And during that time, we were talking about Facebook, and I said, hey, man, I said, you know, no, she wasn't on Facebook. Man, you get on Facebook, man, you can help us just kind of cast vision and help people just come along and invite your friends. He said, oh, no, no. He said, I can't get on Facebook. I said, why? He said, because if I'm on Facebook, Facebook, people can find me. And he said, and I just, there's some people I just don't want to find me. He was protecting himself. I don't need to associate myself with some of those characters because those are the characters I got in trouble with. Amen? And so, God's saying, in order for me to help perfect you, you've got to learn how to put off the old man and put on the new man. Think about it from the perspective of putting on a coat. If the coat is laying there and you're saying, I'm cold, and I'm saying... There's the coat. I mean, I can go as far as to get it for you. Here you go. Well, I don't know that I want to put it on. But you're cold, right? Yeah. Here's the coat. I can't make you put it on, and God can't either. But he's saying, if you'll make the choice, you'll find yourself beginning to make leaps and bounds in your spiritual walk and your spiritual growth. Amen. Amen? You're tracking. All right. So that's one aspect of growing spiritually, or I should say that has hindered people from growing spiritually because just not making the choice of changing teams. They've changed teams, but they still wear the jersey of the old team. (laughs) They haven't put off the old jersey yet. Does it make sense? And so, again, God's wanting us to mature. There's another aspect in regards to individuals that have not recognized their place and thought of themselves more highly than they should. 
And so it's like two spectrums, if you will, of getting in the ditch. Those that have not chosen to begin to mature and they still live the old way. And so because they're in a ditch, they can't grow and they can't help the body of Christ grow. And then there's those over here that have gotten in a ditch that think they're so high and mighty and think that they're so special that God can't use them either. Right? So, for instance, you know, the Bible says that we're all ministers... We've all been called into the ministry of reconciliation. Every single one of you has been called into ministry. Every single person in here has a purpose for your life. But there's only a small percentage of people that have been called into fivefold ministry. Does that make sense? To actually be called into the, the ministry of pastor, uh, prophet, evangelist, pa- uh, uh, teacher, the fivefold ministry gifts. There's only a small percentage of those. But there's oftentimes that people will say, well, if I'm a minister, then that means I have a ministry. And therefore, you owe me something. You know what I mean by that? Just ask Jordan. Jordan has been very diligent at trying to build his team of worshipers. And he's always trying to build his team. Just because the bigger his team is, the more diversified he can be. He's done a very good job through the, the last couple of years. But I can tell you he's probably had more conversations of this nature when he's contacted somebody. They say, yeah, I heard you had need of, of some position to be filled. And George's like, yes, absolutely. Typically, the next statement is, how much does it pay? To do what? To, to, to give your talent to serve God? Well, yeah, but... but but I need to get paid. Oh, so you want to be like in a traveling rock band or something. Not a, a worshiper. Does, does that make sense? And, and oftentimes, you'll find people that have this stigma about themselves. Well, I've, if I'm a minister, I must have a ministry. And so, therefore, I need some kind of compensation from it. Now, obviously, there are positions that need to be filled and compensations that come with it when deemed feasible and possible. But whatever happened to us just saying, God, use me. The reward of what I get from you is far greater than any man could ever give me. And so as a result, many times what ends up happening is individuals get themselves out of position and can't be used by God because they think that they're so mature that they're really spiritual babies. And God can't use them. For instance, remember I said not everybody's a five-fold minister. I had met with this gentleman, oh, this is a number of years back, and I'm sure I've told you this story before. But he came and he says, hey, man, I'd really love to help you with your your worship. I'm like, really? Great. I said, well, let's get together and we'll talk. So he told me about his thing, he and his wife, and um, what they did. And so, man, hey, that sounds good. And so why don't we get together and go to dinner and go to lunch one day and we'll just talk a little bit more. And so I was wanting to kind of feel him out, and I was actually ready to kind of let him start helping but then as we started talking, he says, yeah, God's given me a, a unique ministry. And I'm like, really? I said, well, what's your ministry? He said, well, the ministry God's given me is to, to correct churches and correct pastors. Because pastors and churches have gotten off base. And so God has given me a ministry to bring correction to the church. Really? So here's how the Bible defines it. He says that there are shepherds, which is a pastor... That's over a flock and he calls the church the sheep. And so what this man was saying is that God elevated a sheep 
to correct a shepherd. It's just incorrect. God never uses sheep to correct shepherds. It's always the other way around. It's just a spiritual order. Does that make sense? And so what did he identify? He identified that he thought he was so high and mighty that he could be no earthly good. And so just shortly after that, he was no longer around in our church. But it's unfortunate because people unqualify themselves because they think that they have position in place. Does that make sense? Amen. You know, the Bible says in Romans chapter 12, verse 3, it says, Don't think of, your more, think of yourself more highly than you ought. God never said don't think of yourself highly. He wants you to think, think of yourself highly. In fact, you are so special that he died for you. You ought to think of yourself as being so stinking special that you're God's favorite. Because that's who you are. But then at the same time, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. You got to keep humble in the midst of it. Amen? Amen. All right. So as we're talking about this, your ministry is going to be more productive as you grow and mature. Right? So if God has a purpose for your life, if God has a call on your life, it only makes sense that you're going to be more effective in that ministry if you mature. I mean, I'm glad that Jordan is the one that's doing the guitar picking up here. Because I've had some lessons years ago. But I mean, that was just like some introduction stuff. And, and if, if you heard me up there leading you on the guitar, I don't even know if you'd call it a joyful noise. I mean, it would just be a mess. Why? Because my maturity of playing an instrument is very minor. But because he's matured in that area of playing, he can lead us very well. But all along, he can still mature as a worshiper, a worship leader. And therefore, that's always progressive, always growing, right? But the moment that he thinks he's all that in a bag of chips, it stops. And here's the thing about it, is that your gift, your purpose, your calling... It comes with what we call the anointing or the empowerment of God. And the anointing is what really helps sets people free. The Bible says it's the anointing that destroys the yoke and removes the burden. So the fact that Jordan is anointed, when he does what he's been called to do, it helps sets people free. But the moment that he stops learning and stops growing and no longer is teachable, the anointing lifts. And so he could be up there all day long, sounding good and looking pretty, but have no anointing on it at all. And so what good is it? Does it edify? Does it grow? Does it build the church? Not much. Why? Because he stopped growing. He stopped maturing. He stopped developing. Amen? All right. So as we as believers, and I'll wind up with this, these couple thoughts here. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 48. In fact, let's turn there. I'll finish with that verse. Matthew chapter 5, verse 48. Have you gotten anything out of tonight? Thank you. I'm glad you did. Yeah. Well, it's like, sure. Duh. Well, that just means you're growing and maturing. All right. Jesus said this. In verse chapter 5, 
Matthew chapter 5, verse 48. He says, Therefore, you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. This is Jesus, the head of the church, the one that died and rose from the grave for you. He said, you shall be perfect. Do you think it was a suggestion? No. He said, you need to be perfect. Or in other words, you need to mature. You need to grow. This is my heart. This is my purpose. This is my desire for you. It's a mandate from him. So if we're going to fulfill what God, the Father, desires for us to fulfill in this earth, we've got to grow. We've got to mature. We've got to develop. No longer being babies. Not just being satisfied with being kids and children. But keep on pressing to be matured, to be perfected, to come to the completion to where we've ran our race. And where we stand before God and He says, well done. Amen. Amen. All right. You made me preach a little bit harder tonight. <laughs> we didn't get where I wanted to go, so <laughs> it's your fault if you didn't like tonight. So, all right. Are you ready? Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for what you're doing. God, I thank you that you're stirring our hearts, that you're helping us see some things. Because, God, your heart and your desires for us to mature, to grow, so that you can use us and that we can be as effective as possibly we can. And thank you, Father, that we begin to see differently. We see with your eyes. We see a church that is bigger than the four walls in which we're sitting in. We see a church that has far more people in it than what we see. Father, we thank you for a church that has more diversity than we can even begin to imagine. With uh, ages of all different uh, age ranges and skin colors. God, we just want to be used by you to bridge the gap from you and man. And God, I thank you that we're maturing and growing and being able to be used by you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and take a look at all of our social media sites, which can be found at our website, gvchurch.tv. We know that today's message has been a blessing to you. Thanks for listening. We are Genesee Valley Church. Loving God, loving people, and loving life.